change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. And once that clicked in, you know, everything else is just, you know, what, what the sum of that change is what I have today. And that's what I seen in my head was, you know, I'm going to start this journey, you know, of a company called Black Fox that's going to be doing millions and millions of dollars doing government and private corporations. And sometimes you just got to just make that hard decision. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons. Yeah. I searched all over the world, struggling to find it. Then I met my boy, David E. Simons. Yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Discover my gift, yeah, yeah. Hello and welcome to another episode of How I Discovered My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. I am so delighted and excited to have today's guest on. So I'm going to read his bio and then I'm going to give you my personal relationship take on this amazing brother that you're going to hear from today. So Fox Wade, Fox was born and raised on the north side of Flint, Michigan. After being abused and neglected by his mother and stepfather, Fox decided to join the United States Army to escape from being homeless at the age of 18. Upon entering the military, the September 11th attacks on Washington, D.C. and New York uh, City sent Fox to Afghanistan and Iraq in support operations enduring uh, operations enduring and Iraqi freedom. So during his deployments on both combat zones, Fox realized all the equipment, resources, and service support functions that were being provided by private corporations via government contracts. This created his this created his curiosity on how private corporations grew their businesses through contracting with government agencies. Fox then learned the most important. Uh, significant federal and defense agencies can be broken down into two categories, civil and defense. After being wounded in West, Western Iraq during combat operations and receiving a Purple Heart Medal, Fox medically retired from the United States Army to begin his military post-career working for, with the Federal Emergency Management Agency as a grants program manager. During his tenure at FEMA, Fox managed over $175 million worth of government contracts and grants. After leaving, uh, after learning the government contracting game and leaving the, 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 from the inside, he, he then said it was time for him to start his own and, and started to promote his business, Black Fox LLC. So after four years of launching Black Fox, Fox has been awarded over $25 million worth of contracts on all levels of government as a prime and subcontractor delivering an array of products and services across several agencies. Thank you so much and welcome to the show, my brother. I also just want to just share with, with everyone listening um, how I got to connect with this awesome brother here. Um, I was on a trip in, um, I was actually in Tanzania, East Africa. I saw his course um, while I was on Instagram, you know, during the holidays. I, I said, man, this looks great. I, I immediately, immediately bought it. And, um, and I, I saw one of the opportunities to, to, 
get mentored by by Fox and and uh, I I was I didn't know, but I I actually called and and he picked up the phone and I was like, man, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. It was like I I want to say it was like 3 a.m. in the morning where he was. He, he picked up the phone while I'm in Africa. I wasn't d- doing my math correctly on the time zones, and he said, I'm glad to be your mentor and I'm glad to pour into you. And, and since that day, he's been that. And so I just want to say that speaks to the character and the testament of who he is as a person. So for those who are going to see him, you've seen some of his content or seen things around that brother is a genuine brother. So I just wanted to, I just want people to know that sometimes, you you know, you see people online and you, you don't know what the character is like, but he's a solid brother uh, online, offline, in front of the scene, behind the scenes. So thank you for coming on the show, brother. Hey, thank you so much um, for having me. Um, I, I 100% feel truly honored to be a part of uh, you know your process and how you've grown uh, from the first time we met. Um, once again, my name is Fox Wade. Every everyone, nothing special about the first name or the last name. Just Fox Wade. That's all it is. Um, I've been in government contracting for the past uh, almost five years now, maybe going on six. Uh, but I've been in this space providing professional services to local, state, federal, nonprofits, non-governmental organizations that's funded by the government. I've been doing some pretty cool stuff, um, helping them support their goals, their mission, and their objectives to provide resources and support to the American people. Um, my main company, which is Black Fox, is based out of Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I mean, we only focus on a few core different areas, which is program management, um, healthcare, um, staff and support, healthcare information technology, cybersecurity, and also operational resilience. Um, I'm not a techie person at all, um, but that is, you know, the, the, the type of services that we do offer to our government customers. We also provide services to, to private corporations as well. I don't like to say that I'm a government contractor. I'm just a business owner, businessman that happens to be able to do business with the government. Wow, man. I, I love it. I love it. So so I love I love the dynamic of, you know, just from where you were to where you are today. I mean, like you you, you really give someone no excuse, right? Like, can you take us through the journey, man? Like I didn't even know that about you till I, I looked through the bio and studied the bio um, that, you you know, you, you grew up in a pretty tough upbringing and in, 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 in a city where um, that's faced a lot of uh, turmoil um, over the years and even more recently with the water crisis and all those things. So can you talk to us about the upbringing? Like, like, did you envision that the person you are today, you would be who you were to, when you were a young child? Like, talk, t- take us through your childhood a little bit. I don't think we ever do. Um, I'm the product of teenage parents. Um, my mother was 17. My dad was 17. Um, I didn't know my dad growing up. I didn't meet my dad until I was 40. Like, I'm 40 now, but I no, I'm sorry. I was 39.9 or 49, <laughs> 39.11 months in, but... Um, you know, I didn't know my father. Um, my mother was 17. I don't think she knew what she was doing either when it came to kids. And, you know, when you're coming from a very oppressed uh, background, you know, after I did a little bit of history about my family and the, and the dynamics, you know, it's it's like a, a cycle of abuse. You know, I know my I found out that my mother was abused. 
you know, her mother was abused. So it's like sometimes people just don't know how to get out of that cycle. And so, you know, being a product of a 17 year old mom, you know, going from house to house, and, you know, her having, you know, marrying someone who was a, a prominent drug dealer, um, he him being very abusive. You know, I don't like to call him my stepdad, but, you know, in this context, I will. Um, it was quite um, it was quite normal because when you're born into a rough environment, you think that that's how life's supposed to be. You think that's normalcy. You know, I remember, you know, just trying to play basketball on the street and gunshots going off and, and uh, you got police chasing people through the neighborhood. I mean, it's it was really rough. But honestly, I thought that that was normal. I truly thought that that was normal until I started playing AU basketball. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Let me let me let me go back. I you know, there was an incident that happened to where, you know, I was molested by. Uh, a 16-year-old girl, whatever, and I ended up going to go stay with my grandparents. And then once I lived with my grandparents, the household was more balanced and more stable. And I was like, you know, it, you, you, you're out of your normalcy when you're used to hearing sirens out every night. You're used to hearing people fighting. Um, um, I was seven years old. We had our house raided one time. And I remember I'm sleeping in my bed and, you know, these people just come to the house and they throw me out the bed. They you know, they tear up my room, they tore up the house, you know, but come to find out house is being raided because, you know, there was drugs in the house or whatever. And I, I'm telling you, I thought that stuff was normal all the way up until I joined the military at 17 and a half ish, 18 years old. And I remember going to the military and I, it was it was different for me because I was so used to so much chaos, so much drama that I finally it's like I finally had a moment of peace, even though I was in basic training. But I'm like, listen, guys. This ain't bad, you know. I'm getting food. I got hot water, you know. It's actually quiet at night going to bed. So, you know, coming from that different dynamic, I can honestly say that I won't say that it it molded me into the person I am today. It just gave me more reinforcement to be able to handle certain situations, you know, as I became older. Wow, man. Wow, what a journey. So, I mean, you 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 go from this. Ex Pretty much, pretty much extreme environment, right? But you, like you said, you did. It was normal, and then you shift into a, you know, the military is very orderly, structure, all of these things, and you kind of appreciated it. When you're going through this process, did you find like, did you begin to start to see who you who you were, like your talents, your abilities? Did you and did you find out some of the learnings about yourself? What, what, and if so, what did you find about yourself? Maybe some of your strengths, some of your gifts, some of your talents. To be honest with you, I didn't really discover who I was until about the age of 32. Hmm. Um, you know, being in, being in the military, only thing that I ever wanted to do was to just do the, be the best that I could be. See, a lot of people got to understand this. When you come from abusive parents, you know, when, when, when my little brother was born, which, you know, I, I don't have no relationship with any of them at all. But when my little brother was born, we're about seven years apart. That's when I kind of knew that I was in an abusive spot because when he was born, he was treated like very total opposite than how they were treating me. I remember I used to walk to school as a kid. I used to walk to elementary school as a kid and it would be freezing outside. 
it will be wet, it will be cold, and they will pass by me in the car taking my little brother to school, but I had to walk. Like that's the type of like mental torture that I was faced with. So when I came into the military, you know, because I was away and I was in, in a in a new environment, my only goal honestly was to just be the best that I could be. Like it didn't matter because when you coming up from a, a household to where nobody really wants you, you know, and then they, they verbally tell you that they don't want you, they physically tell you that they want you. You know, it's like you come out to the world, you just want to just be wanted. So my goal was to just be the best, like no matter what it was, I just want to just be the best. Right. Yeah. And so when you come into the military and you are the best, you start getting this thing called recognition. Mm. You know, so imagine that you come out through life and you've never been really recognized. But now you're like, oh, you did this. We recognize you. It becomes addictive and a drug. So all I wanted to do in the military was just be the best. So it didn't matter what the challenge was. I just wanted to do it and be the best at it. Wow, man. That's wow. That's powerful. So you said you said at 32, what 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 kicked in at 32? What 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 did you start to see? What what was that? So sometimes you just have a, you know, you got to look at your patterns, right? And I started looking at my patterns, you know, like I would get married. Like I was married and end up getting divorced, and having kids. And, you know, you start looking at your life because I think I was, I was transitioning out of the military because I was just, I was done with the military once I had got injured. And then I tried to like literally stay in the military, but I was end up faced with so many different other different obstacles in the military. You know, once you're trying to, you know, climb that ladder. And one day I was just like, you know what? You're killing yourself. And they're, it's like they keep moving the goalposts, right? You're trying to be the best you can. They move the goalposts. So I end up medically retiring out the military. And then I was like, you know, I started watching like Les Brown, listening to Will Smith, Motivational. And I was like, if they can do these phenomenal things, why can't I do it? And I think that's when I truly, I was 32 years old. And that's when I truly discovered, like, you know what? you are more phenomenal, more powerful than what you imagine. You had a great life in the military. Why don't you take it to another notch into this thing called a civilian world and entrepreneurship? And that's when I really started changing the course of how I saw the world. You know, one of my favorite quotes is, change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. And once that clicked in, you know, everything else is just, you know, what, what the sum of, that change is what I have today. Wow, man! Wow. Okay, so so take us now. You you you're leaving. You're leaving the. You've left the military, um, and you go into. Is, is you go straight into FEMA, or you did, did you go? What was the what was the path? Talk to us about the career path. So I worked at a warehouse for two weeks, <laughs> and so when you transition out the military, right? You're so used to having structure. You're so used to having like people got their little separate goals and objectives and missions, you know, part of that corporation. So I worked at this warehouse right outside of Atlanta, northwest side of Atlanta. And I'm there and the person who was there as a supervisor was not a leader, right? This is real. Everybody put into the leadership positions are not a leader. So here I come fresh out. I'm more structured. And so I was there, and I'll say I was there for a month. 
So when I got there, I had already, you know, had some certain some certain certifications, my education level uh, was intact. I had my MBA by the time I got to the military. So I'm there and I'm looking at processes like how can we make this better? How can we streamline it? And I started implementing. Now I wasn't a supervisor, but you know I was, you know, the uh, uh, echelon lower. So I'm making all these changes, and now productivity is starting to increase. Right now, the regional managers are coming in to be like, "Who is this guy coming in that's that's rearranging and change? You know, is is making productivity uh, better over a two week span?" So now my supervisor is, you know, not feeling safe in her position. And then we were just, we, I mean, because of she, she behaved in an unprofessional manner, but everybody, so, but when you bring in somebody like me that has a different dynamic, everybody starts doing what? Shifting away from attention on her to me. And now they're coming to me for certain things. And then we just end up just bumping, 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 bumping heads. And I was like, you know what? I can probably take what I have because that was my first time having a civilian job. Mm-hmm. I can take what I just did in a, in a month time span and I can do it somewhere else. So I started looking at opportunities with the federal government versus, you know, working in private, private uh, industry. Wow. And so it, wh- where did you go? Where was this organization? Was that the uh, FEMA? Yeah. Was that, was that FEMA where you went yeah. to next? So, so I started, so I actually started, uh, I came out and I was like, you know what, let me just do some stuff. So I actually got my real estate license. So I got my real estate license. I did a full year of helping people because I'm, you know, very good network, very, you know, close with a lot of people. And I was selling one or two homes a month. So I knew I had like somewhat of a sales skill that I can, you know, not convince, but, you know, be able to help people solve their problems. And so while I was doing that, I ended up attending a training called the EBV uh, Entrepreneurship uh, Veteran uh, Entrepreneurship. Uh, it's like a it's like a program for veterans with disabilities, whatever. So I went up going to this program called the EBV, and it was based out of uh, Hart- Hartford, Connecticut. We went to University of uh, uh, UConn in uh, um, School of Business. Yeah. And I ended up meeting somebody that introduced me to government contracting. I didn't know it was such an industry. And so from there, they introduced it to me. And then once I'm obsessed with something, I go all full-fledged. Mm-hmm. So while I was selling homes and, you know, take care of my family, I ended up starting a company, you know, well, somewhat starting a company into the government contracting space. And then next thing you know, I'm like, you know what? In order for me to really understand this, I may have to move to the Washington, D.C. area because that's the core of where all the federal government agencies are at. So wow. end up relocating to Maryland and starting, you know, um, working at FEMA for a year, understanding how they did business, acquisitions, processes, grants, etc. And then once I felt like I had the information I needed, I went on and launched a company, Black Fox. Wow. That's that's so I think you just dropped so many so many gems right there. Like like that. I just want to unpack for the listeners listening. So you, you knew what you wanted, first of all, like you knew, you know, Hey, I see an opportunity to get into this government contracting thing. You got obsessed with it. You learned and you mastered all the things. And sometimes people don't want to go into deep, deep, deep dive. They just want surface knowledge. You went deep and you said, you know what? I, to get a better chance to win, I need to be in the environment 
packed up your stuff. I'm, I'm, I know you're saying it, you know, quickly, but that wasn't an easy thing to just pack up and move and just go to another another area, probably not familiar with the area, and just try to adapt. Can you talk about that transition in itself? Like that's that must not have been. I'm, I'm assuming that's not not wasn't that easy just to make that move. You got a family, you got things you got to do, but you had a goal. Yeah. yeah. Hey, sold the house, uh, moved the family up there. Um, my wife at the time, she had all her family, so I had to like kind of convince her to do it. But yeah, I mean, it, it was tough because, you know, kids were so used to being in the school districts and stuff like that. It was tough. But, you know, sometime what you have today is not what God intend for you to have. So you got to make certain sacrifices to like get to where you want to get to. I mean, I'm back in Atlanta right now, even though I still stay between both Atlanta and the DC area. Um, but, you know, sometimes we just gotta, you know, we, we gotta take those hard, we gotta make those hard choices in, in order to get to our vision. Now, one of my, one of my favorite books I like to read is The Alchemist, right? Y'all, y'all ever heard of The Alchemist? You know, it talks about, you know, a young boy to where he was somewhere in Southern Spain and every night he would have these visions and these dreams to go see the pyramids, you know, and, and there was some treasure waiting for him at these pyramids. He had never been to Africa, never crossed over um, um, the Strait of Gibraltar to get over to um, Egypt, but he saw it in his head. And that's what I seen in my head was, you know, I'm going to start this journey, you know, of a company called Black Fox that's going to be doing millions and millions of dollars doing government and private corporations. And sometimes you just got to just make that hard decision. Wow. Respect, man. Respect. So I, I want to put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that. But but at this time, like from my from my understanding, there's a clear I think I know what it is, but I want to hear it from you. What what is your gift? What is your dominant? I mean, you obviously have m multiple things, but what's your most dominant gift? And how, you know, how do you use that regularly? I've always said that my gift is that I have an engineer, engineering brain, right? I can look at things and tear it apart in my head, right? And, and, and see what are the interconnected pieces in order to get to a end result. Um, that's always been my gift to be able to see the future, to be able to have that vision, to be a visionary. Um, and and on the on the flip side of that, I've always been stubborn enough to be able to go after my dreams. Like nobody can stop me. And I and, and you know, sometimes you get in relationships and in those relationships, people can try to put a pin in what you trying to go after. And I just became to the point where I said, nobody is going to stop me from accomplishing what I envisioned. Because once God implants something into your head, that means that God is taking a moment to create something and implant it in your head to manifest it and make it into something from intangible to tangible. You definitely got to act upon it. And you just you can't allow people to get in your way. So that's my gift is... Seeing it, believing it, and achieving it. Wow, that's what's up, man. I was gonna say, I was gonna say systems, which is which is engineering, right? It's like uh, understanding how systems work and how to put those pieces together. So, so great. So now, 
<clears throat> now you're in the DC area. Um, you're you're learning the game of FEMA. What are you extracting through your engineering mind? What are you pulling and extracting from their systems and processes? And then and then how do you now take that and go into Black Fox and tell us about that first contract, that first win? So I always looked at it from a because a lot of times we want to start a company or a business and we just want to sell what we sell, right? That's mm -hmm. not how it works. I always took a step back and I looked at it and said, what are their problems? Right? What, 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 what are, you know, when I'll be in meetings, I'm listening to going, what are the pro? Oh, so they need this. Oh, and I would take notes and write it down. And then you got to understand that how the world works in order to solve a problem, you need to pay for a solution. Right? So now you, so now I had to sit back and understand what is the budget? You know, what is their annual budget? How is that annual budget broken down? Because you can present a solution all day long, but if your customer don't have the money to buy it, then it's just going to sit there, you know, waiting in a queue somewhere until they're ready to pull. Um, and then relationships, networking, right? Like just listening and not being the one that's always running your mouth, but, you know, taking those two things on your head and just listening to people and really being a genuine, genuine person and, 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 you know, being good. Now that doesn't mean that if people are being, um, non, non, uh, invitable, if you want to, if you want to call it in that sense, then yeah, you don't need to mess with them, but you know, you need to build relationships because people do business with people that they trust or they think they can trust. Right. That's good. That's good. So, so you're, you're learning, you're seeing, you're studying all these problems, you're seeing all these things. And when you were there for a certain amount of time and you managed over $170 million contract. So you're, are you, you're, are you analyzing all the private entities? Are you analyzing all the people winning or what, what are you, what are you studying and what are you gleaning? Most definitely. So, you know, the, the funding that I, that I was in charge of was our, well, our program was $175 million. And what is stemmed around is that we would provide grant opportunities, contracting opportunities to private sector corporations to do research and development, to do certain uh, things in the community um, uh, from an economic standpoint, job standpoint. So I'm looking at, I'm going, wait a minute, y'all are paying me X amount of dollars per year, but I just wrote, I just signed off on a $2.9 million grant that's allowing for a company to go install smoke detectors and carbon monoxide detectors in low income housing. Like, wait a minute, what what am I doing wrong? You know, so I started looking at that different uh, perspective and concept as well. So it's kind of like one of those things to where if you take a step back and look at and follow the money trail, right? Now you can figure out how you can jump on that trail. Mm -hmm. cool. So my first contract, um, actually came from a relationship. So end up calling somebody that I, I never had met. Um, they connect, I was connected with them through someone else and they were the ones who invited me to a meeting. And, um, I went to that meeting, uh, was very genuine. And the guy, other guy at the meeting was like, Hey, well, I got this, this new contract that I just won at the end of the year. I need help on it. You know, do you want to do it? It was only $30,000 contract, but I was like, yeah, definitely. 
I worked the contract myself. And then as I was working halfway through that one, because I was doing such a great job and anybody who's tuning in and watching this, you got to understand if you if you win a contract, you definitely want to do your best on it. So halfway through that contract, another contract opened up and that contract was sixty thousand dollars. So within a within a sixty five to seventy day you know, process of me launching my company to, you know, go into a meeting. I went from $30,000 contract to a, to $90,000 total within that time span. And then six months later, I had developed another relationship and um, somebody vouched for me, ended up winning a $1.3 million contract um, to do some, to do some services. And I was able to bring on actual people to form to, to perform on that contract. So I literally went from being an independent contractor to an official business owner within a six month time span. That's amazing. Amazing. So so you're you're sharing a, a key nugget because um, a lot of people, including myself, have struggled with the <clears throat> um, the transition for people that are in business and trying to get into the government contracting world. We think, oh, it's it's just like I just gotta do. I gotta have the most amazing work, which you should have amazing work, and and I'm just gonna plug away and put all these applications in and just plug away, and and, and we, we kind of try to work it like a lead generation system, CRM, which you can, but but like you're saying, I think you're hitting on a key nugget is the relationship piece, and and I think a lot of people miss that, including myself, until I had a great conversation with you. It really really helped me to understand that, hey, it doesn't matter if it's a government. They're still people. You have to build relationships. So if you could speak on speak on that misnomer that most people missed, like myself, um, about how important that relationship piece is. Relationships are so important because from an emotional intelligence standpoint, right? Whether you work at McDonald's, you work for a government agency, no matter what you do, you're still a person. And a person has this thing called emotions, you know, how can you ethically, you know, from a, a, a really good high character standpoint, don't play with people's emotions, but understand their emotions, right? So a lot of people, and I get it, you, you start a business and you're trying to keep your business alive and make money, but why don't you look at it from a different lens and say, let me just figure out, let me just go to lunch or do something with them and I learn more about them, right? You know. Just from you looking at my background, right? What is what is what is one emotional play that you can use that can spark a conversation with you? Right? You probably could be like, oh, he was in the military. Let me talk about the military. So those type of things that you can play, not play on, but utilize in order to open up a little bit more doors. When I talk to people and let's say they like horses, right? You can go to people's uh, social media and figure out what they're what they're into. They like cars, right? You, you know, your play is like, oh, I see you got this type of car. You know, I have that, you know, goal to have that type of car too. So it's all about, you know, having the emotional intelligence to really just have a conversation with people, have it genuine. The one thing that people don't like is if I just met you and you're already talking about some, you got a contract, got something for me, got some work for me, like slow down. Get to know somebody first because it's an intimate relationship. And I'm not saying intimate as in like, you know, girlfriend, boyfriend or husband, wife, but it is an intimate relationship to be like, um, hey, you know, this is me. This is who I am. 
because if they're going to entrust you with a with a with a with a task, right? They they're trusting you that you're going to deliver on the things that you say that you can deliver on. Mm. Wow, and, and and in the in the realm of things, how does that weigh? Like, let's say a person has <clears throat> they have more technical ability, right? Let's say somebody is super super they. The, the company has all the tactics, all the tools, all the stuff, but they ignored the relationship part. And the other person has maybe a mediocre level of the talent or the skills or the stuff. And they have prioritized the relationship part. Who's winning? Oh, definitely the person with the relationship. See, see, there's, there's, there's two type of mental states, right? You're either an introvert or an extrovert, right? I'm an introvert. I'm a born introvert, but I knew getting into the space of being a business owner that I got to become a hybrid. I like my time alone. I like things like that. But at the same time, I got to be a hybrid, right? I got to understand how introverts work. I got to get out there. I got to be able to have my moments to have conversations and talk with people. So you get that all the time. Super techie people are what? They're introverted. They know the work. They don't. They don't. I don't, I don't want to talk to you. So right. I, you got to figure out. I'm not saying you got to have balance in, in this world um, at it, but you just got to figure out. Okay, if I give this person 30 minutes of my time as an introvert, I can learn more about them. That's all I'm gonna give them, and then I can go back to you know my normalcy. So for me, yeah, I've always been able to understand because when you're in the military. The number one thing you have to do is adapt to your environment, right. right? The environment doesn't adapt to you. You got to adapt to your environment. So if you've got a, a goal that you're trying to achieve, then you're going to have to put some adaptation into your processes. I love that. I love that. So, so Fox, if you could speak to like just your personal journey and as far as development goes, right? You kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, right? And I don't think people really understand the level of work it takes behind the scenes to to build an organization to the level that you've built it and to develop your person to the per, the type of person that could attract all these things and do all these things. So, what, I mean, what what's the kind of discipline? What's the kind of work ethic you've had to have, um, whether studying, whether learning, learning about certifications? You're also part of the 8A program. There's a lot of paperwork. Like, like could you talk about the development side that most people don't see that is important? So when you are a business owner, right, um, you know, when people talk about I work 40 hours a week for a job and I'm trying to get out of the 40 list. When you become a business owner, you work 80 hours a week. This is how it is, especially when you're getting started. Right. Because your your business foundation, that business development phase, you have to do certain things to stay competitive. Um, and we understood that being in this market, which is so kind of difficult to be able to navigate that we needed ammo, some some different things to be able to, you know, compete against the big boys. So that's when, you know, I started researching with small business programs that are out there that can assist us into winning new contracts, uh, going through those processes. I think what it is, honestly, I mean, I can tell people my process uh, on, on business development, but it comes down to two words, discipline and pleasure, right? They're both things that you must have in your life, right? You must have discipline and you have to, you know, have some pleasure in order to, you know, live. But which one is more important? If you can, if you can literally hone in on discipline, 
then your pleasure would be so much more, right? It's like um, people who are overweight and you add, and you start looking at them like, okay, you're not overweight because the world wanted you to be overweight. You're overweight because you don't have no discipline. So how can you have more discipline to be able to focus on what you want to do? So that's why when it comes to the company Black Fox and the, and the other different companies that we have, my discipline is so obsessed and focused on getting that from here to here that there's nothing that can that can that can take me off that path. Mm-hmm. So when you look at all the certifications, all we have, you know, it just comes from discipline, come from being innovative, come from just being curious about certain things. And then, you know, you can actually build something. I get it. Like, it's not for everybody, but those who are willing to, you know, put in that work, you know, it it's going to give you the results. That's, that's why you see people who are extremely fit. That's why you see people who are wealthy. Is because that discipline factor outweighs that pleasure. Mm, that's gold. Discipline outweighs the pleasure. That's that's good, man. I, that should be on a t-shirt, man. That's that's gold. Um, so so when you think about like this, this that first year, right? That first year in business after you had the uh, the thirty, the sixty, and then the one point three million dollar deal, like what? what did you have to do to prepare for that? Like that, that, that's a big quantum leap, right? So obviously you were, you were honing in on yourself because a lot of people want to get, you know, make a million dollars plus in their business, but they don't understand what actually goes behind the scenes and what it takes to manage something of that responsibility and that capacity. So if you could speak to that. So, so there's a phrase, uh, a, um, a quote from Les Brown, and, it's, and it goes like this. It's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than have an opportunity and not be prepared. So what I always did is that I always look at what are the companies doing that's been doing this for years, right? Like, what do they have that I don't have? Oh, they got an HR system. They have this, they have that. Now in my brain, it's not about how I can do it. I got to figure out who do I need to talk to? So I would reach out to, and I become close friends to a lot of people in the industry that are my mentors nowadays. And I'm like, knock on the door. And I'm like, Hey, um, I know you don't know me. I'll know you, but I know you've been around in business. You look just like me. Can I just take 15 minutes of your time? I'll even buy you lunch, but this 15 of your times to navigate this process. So I will go to my mentors and say, Hey, I got this company, you know, my goal is to be here. Can you give me some insight on what I need? So they will break it down and say, yep, I did this. You need that. You need this. So before I got that contract, I'd already had things in place because I was willing to be humble. I was willing to listen and I was willing to implement what they what they said. Right. Because if they've already went down that path and they struggled at it and they can give me the blueprint to get around the obstacles and the struggles. Why not implement and take their advice or take mm-hmm. their advice and implement um, their strategies? That's gold. That's gold. So so now take us into the, the we believe there's three phases, right? The, the discovery, discovering your gift. You obviously have that engineering mind and you have that that just persistent. I'm never going to give up attitude. Right. And then we went to the development phase and just talking about the di- discipline over pleasure. But now we talk about the distribution part, because here's what I believe that you do well for and and without even seeing what you do to the government side, just just seeing some of the things, the conversations we've had that I I think you do really well is the marketing. Right. So the distribution 
And it's not enough to be, a, 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 you know, to have a certification. It's not enough to have, you know, um, credentials. It's not a, there's many people that might have some of the credentials you have. They, they, they were veterans. They were, they were, they were, um, they're in certain programs, but they haven't achieved a certain level of success as you. And I, and, and here, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's also because of how, how, uh, intentional you are in your marketing, in your relationships and all those things. So if you can speak about the distribution, the importance of marketing yourself, marketing your business, both personally and on the on the professional side. So what I've learned is that the world is a massive ocean. And when you're just getting started, you're like this little itty bitty pebble. Right. So if I take a little itty bitty pe pebble and I threw it into the Gulf of Mexico, who's going to see it? Nobody. So how can you make yourself into a massive boulder without bringing negative attention to yourself, but bringing positive attention to you um, and some of your endeavors? So a lot of times when I'm strategizing, I'm like, I, you know, I like going to the grocery store and nobody really knows who I am. But as you get bigger, things start changing. Right. But how do you want to be known? Right. When you're when you're when you're your legacy is over. And I thought about it and I said, I don't want people to look at me like an attractive man. I want them to look at me as somebody who brought information and value to the world. So that's why when you go to my social media platforms, I'm providing educational value that people can implement in today's business in order for them to be successful. So that's my goal is to provide information like, listen, if we can do it, you can do it, right? That's one factor. If you can do it, we can do it. And also here's some steps and strategies that you can take for free. I always call it free game, right? Here's some free game for free that you can actually use and it's nothing, you know, like I'm not getting paid for it. It's just me trying to give back, you know, to the world of that positive energy. Mm. I love that, man. So so let's talk about that, actually. So, you, you know, you, the money for you is made in the government sector, closing deals and doing these things. Like you said, you don't have to do the mentoring that you do. You don't have to have, you know, GovCon and do the, the things that you do. Could you speak about... Um, more about what you're doing and how somebody might be listening and say, says, Fox, I, I, I would love to do a government contract. I would love to gain. How can they, what's the process? What, what can they learn and where can they go to get some resources from you? So before I dive into that, so I want to let people know that it is a struggle, right? It's a struggle because yes, I literally could just focus on my family and my companies and make money and travel the world and give back to the community and nobody would ever know, right? The, the reason why I started the mentorship program is because it's not a lot of us that's in this field, it's not. And so one night I had to come up to the realization that you're gonna have to be the one that, cause I've already done this with my family. I've already broken generational curses. I've already reversed engineer all that stuff. So I've already sacrificed to be that uh, uh, pit a pinnacle point in our family history to be the first millionaire, to be the first successful person, to be the first person to have their kids have six figure net worth, right? It is, it's hard. Breaking generational curses is hard. So now how can I help 
other people break generational curses. So I actually went through like a pilot program to where I was I was I was going to teach this teach this game to people for free, but we all know free means abusive, right? Yes. People are abusing it, so I said, you know what? How can I how can I attract people who are very serious about moving forward and growing in this space? And that's when I said, no, it's not free anymore, but there is an investment behind it because we understand when people put some when put an investment behind something money wise they'll take it very serious and plus i want to attract people who are very very serious so that's where the program uh came into place govcon blueprint because i want people because I, I you're right i don't need the money and i struggle with that all the time and i'm like well if people can invest in this program number one i know they're going to be serious but number two how can i raise additional money in order to do some cool stuff in some of these adverse communities, right? So if there's a place in Gary, Indiana that's always packed and kids are playing basketball, but the floors are all jacked up and that's their only escape from their environment and we're not getting money from the state or whatever, why can't I you know, have people invest into this program and now I can take $30,000 to replace the gym floor. I can take $200,000 to renovate a community. It's like all these different things I can do with that additional funding um, in our community. So that was the, the cause behind it. And now I'm trying to work out how to funnel it through a, a, a nonprofit to be able to have it as a tax write-off. I love it. It's, it's brilliant. It's brilliant, brother. So they can go to govconblueprint.com <clears throat> or win.govconblueprint.com to get to get access to this free ebook that they have told us about the ebook and yeah. what, what so, they, they can so a new site is going to come up for the ebook is probably it's going to be win.govconblueprint.com slash ebook but there will be a call to action button on the website that's actually being developed between the next 48 hours uh, because you can go to win.govconblueprint.com and get the ebook right now it's, it's the first portion of the website but everything is going to get a little bit shifted over so that way people can, you know, have access to it a little bit um, 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 faster. But yeah, that's the, that's the free ebook. Um, the courses are on win.govconblueprint.com. I'm developing a, another course as well. That's going to focus on grant funding and another course that's going to be on demand. Mm. The courses that you see today are live cohorts. So I'm actually, um, um, instructing weekly trainings, right? Every week, every Wednesday evening, uh, we go through some pretty cool stuff. This is, we're in cohort two right now to where today's the final day of cohort two and everybody in the cohort will be submitting a bid today. They will be submitting wow. a live bid, whether they're ready or not. I, hey, you better be ready. But the cool part about it is that you will have your um, proposal template completed and done so that way you can submit them. Hmm. Uh, uh, so, so Fox, can you speak to the to the business owner that's listening to this right now? I, I already have the private side. I don't want to deal with the paperwork. Is it even worth it me going into this government thing? I've heard it's a, a bit of a process. I'm, I, you know, the government's already tough to deal with, period. Uh, why should I go into government contracting? How, what would you say to them? I was the same way um, for a long time, but here's the thing about the government. 
the government has these things called contracts, right? And a contract is an agreement. But these contracts can last for one year, right? Which is a base year for most of them, up to five to 10 years. You know, as we drift towards this recession, which I mean, we're already in it already, but as as the water starts to, to rise above our necks, the government is the only recession-proof entity on the planet that already has its budget and funding already forecasted out over the next five years. So government contracts are still still going to be issued out on a daily basis as is, and that's on local, state, and federal, and non-governmental organizations, and quasi-government as well. So if you do not want to get into government contracts and just understand that when you're doing business with other businesses and they start losing their revenue, then they're going to start losing their interest in you doing business with you as well. But the government doesn't because the government has the overall mission to support the American people. So that money is already in the system already. The other thing about government contracting is that major corporations have been doing this for centuries. For centuries. So we think about Verizon, we think about AT&T, Facebook, um, um, Amazon, Microsoft, uh, the list goes on and on and on. Walmart, they all have sustainable government contracts. And when you look at their business revenue portfolios, 60% of their revenue comes from government contracts because we all know that this is the long term wealth gain is to have these substantial amount of contracts. Um, the less people that are in it the more people are going to win, but the more people are in it, the more that probably that government budget is going to increase because that's the name of the game is to promote small disadvantaged businesses to win more contracts. So that's my take on it all. That's why we have a uh, 70% of our business portfolio is government contracting because I know if I lose that 30%, the company is still going to survive no matter what, because we still, we still have sustainable uh, revenue that's coming in from these government contracts. Wow, what wisdom! I I don't think anybody has an argument against that. That's that's good. That's good stuff right there. So, um, Fox, I always ask this question to all our all our uh, um, guests. Um, you weren't prepped on this. You didn't know the know this question. Uh, the question is: What's the difference between one's gift and one's purpose? One's gift and one's purpose. A gift is what you are given, right? It is given to you, and a gift could be. You know, an athletic gift. It can be a um, um, what we call it. Um, uh, uh, you can be brilliant at something like, you know, that's a gift. A purpose is when God has literally opened up a path for you in order for you to accomplish something, whether that as an individual or as a leader of a group. Um, that's my take on purpose. And that's why, like, I know. Within me, my purpose is to provide this educational information to my people in order to get them to the other side, right? It's just like Moses when he was given, right? He was given a gift, but he was given the purpose to lead his people to the promised land, right? And that's when that path uh, uh, per the Red Sea parted for him to lead his people. So that's my definition on the gift and a, and a purpose. Yeah, I may be gifted with having an engineering brain and be able to break things apart, but my purpose is to lead our people to be able to um, uh, reverse engineer generational curses, reverse engineer, you know, some of the adverse uh, environments that we grew into. 
that we that we grew up in. Wow, man, that's powerful, brother. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wanted to share with the people, or any last party words you would share share with those listening? Um, I say, listen, um, invest in yourself, bet on yourself. If there are some programs out there, whether it's a college institution or a uh, uh, a program like GovCon Blueprint, you know, um, take advantage of them because you don't understand where it can lead you. I literally went to the EVB program and now look where I am 40 years from that. And I'm, you know, in this space called government contracting. So it's all about, you know, what you envision and what you, what you want out of life. Don't ever tell yourself you don't have this. You don't have that. I don't have the money. You know, stop telling yourself these things and start telling you, start telling yourself, no, I am going to get that. I am going to achieve that because you don't know what God is going to put in your lap. You don't know what financial instruments or resources or whatever is going to fall into your lap for you to for you to take it. So your energy means everything. The positive energy that you have, um, the better that your life is going to become. So don't be down on yourself and just change the way you look at things and the things you look at will change. Man, solid, brother. Thank you for blessing the people today, man. So much wisdom. I hope y'all take notes. Seriously, listen to this episode five times. There's so much gems, so much wisdom in here. And definitely go to GovCon. We'll have the the, the exact domain uh, that you'll need to go to to get access to the resources and get plugged in. This is a solid brother with a proven information. So thank you again for being on the show, brother. We appreciate you. Man. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Dear listener, I would like to thank you so much for listening to How I Discover My Gift with yours truly, David D. Simons. As a token of my appreciation, I would love to give to you my most important piece of work to date, and it's called the Purpose Gift Tape. It's a motivational mixtape geared towards helping you to identify your gifts, which ultimately lead to you discovering your purpose. This is a six-track album poured my heart and soul into it includes beautiful beats and amazing spoken word over it and i'd love to give that to you as a free gift as a token of my appreciation for being a part of the community so to get your copy all you need to do is go to podcast.daviddsimons.com that's podcast.david the middle initial d simons s-i-m-o-n-s dot com and get yours today. Thank you for being a listener. I'll catch you on the next episode. How I Discover My Gift with David D. Simons is proud to be of the amazing and illustrious Alive Podcast Network.